Welcome to 50% with Marcel Combs. On this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. Marcel, how about yourself? I am fabulous, I think. It's That's never how we want to be. <laughs> I'm never quite certain most days. Today we had the great delight in interviewing Kimberly Batson and she's just an amazing young woman. Wow, what energy. You know, Marcel, I, I keep finding myself that well, she's got to be older. Look at all these things she's done. But she reminds me a lot of you. Oh, I mean, you have had a few children, and back at that time, I think, when we first met, and uh, you've just done a lot of things. And she already has um, is just moving right along in business. And so, um, three and, young kids you know. since 2016, and she also started the Fabled Bookshop during yes. that time. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of that movie with Meg Ryan uh, and Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. You've yes. got mail. <laughs> so I always think about that, except in the end, the great big company, you know, gobbled up the little bitty company. That's not going to happen <laughs> no. to Kimberly. Uh, but no. but I all the time that I talked to her, I kept, you know, popping up in my mind yeah. that little bookshop that Meg Ryan you know, owned. You know, it's in funny the you say that because I, I kind of thought of that myself too. But how how sweet that is because she's kind of bringing that back. Uh-huh. You know, we do need to think through the small business owners and what that that gives the communities. And so, uh, and it's truly her passion. Uh-huh. I mean, you really feel that when she talks. So I'm really excited for people to listen to her and uh, glean what she's done in such uh-huh. a short time. Yeah. And she, she used the word pivot. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. especially as we look back on 2020, um, the, the need to pivot from one thing or another. And she said Absolutely. two or three times that she, uh, had made it profitable for this year, which I know so many, businesses that's been impossible for them to go online and she mm-hmm. took what was all in person to all in line she was starting that direction and and made that pivot really quick oh it was um, great because she's in an industry somewhat with her heritage creamery she talks mm-hmm. about the food industry or restaurant type business mm-hmm. which has really suffered so much and she got very creative uh, and served where people were at and what they needed um, and I like, too, how she talks about just looking three months ahead. It's your yearly <laughs> right. calendar. I mean, her life's moving right. so fast. And we're in a time of a lot of change. Uh-huh. Uh, so we need uh-huh. to be flexible. But anyway. We uh, can't count on what's going to happen next week, no, we much cannot. less what's going to happen a year from now. No one really has that answer. If, if we had it before, <laughs> we thought we had it before. I, I remember sitting down and doing strategic planning yeah, and yeah. looking five years out. I, I don't <laughs> think anyone can look five years out. These days, there was already a movement no. to say your strategic plan should not be over 18 months, but it's for a planner like me, it's yeah. real hard not to 
not to think about where where am I going to be, what I'm going to be doing, and and how do we how do what are the steps we have to get there? Exactly, it's a good reminder of our plans change. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, the other thing she said that I think is really encouraging for anyone who has a dream and that's trying to make it into a reality is that she really didn't have business background. Mm -hmm. And she wished she'd had that. She wished she had that. She got up to speed pretty quick. So uh, that was interesting as well. Or, or I was waiting. She said she wished she had been more curious. And Mm -hmm. I, I really was wondering what she was going to say to that because obviously Kimberly is a, a very entrepreneurial gal, and you have to have a lot of creativity to to do the things that she's mm-hmm. done. But she said she wished she'd been more curious about profit <laughs> loss statements. I'm like, yeah, I don't think exciting. I would ever think about that Yay, now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can oh. understand the real need to have a business class and the inability for my 20-year-old self to have even thought about exactly. taking one. Thank so, goodness some people love that stuff. That's a good thing. So. I know. Well, I think we let people listen to Kimberly. She, yes. um, she, she's such a storyteller herself. Yes. She, she gave us some great books she to, uh, wide to variety. Mm-hmm. a wide variety. Lonesome Dove was yeah. the most, when you put Lonesome Dove in the Chronicles of Narnia in one sentence, mm-hmm. that says that the young woman has uh, a, a lot of variation uh-huh. in her appetite mm-hmm. for books. So let's let the audience just listen to what this gal has to say. Okay. On this episode, Marcel welcomes Kimberly Batson, longtime contemplator, writer, traveler, and reader, is also the co-owner of a bookshop in Waco, Texas. After several years working alongside her husband Blake as they ran Common Grounds and opened up Heritage Creamery, Kimberly's long-sewn dream of owning a bookshop came to life when she opened Fabled Bookshop and Cafe in August of 2019 with co-owner Allison Frenzel. Kimberly lives in Waco with Blake and their children at the Lamp Post, their beloved house nestled in the woods of Cameron Park. Hello, Kimberly. I'm so glad to have you today and just honored that you would take the time out of your busy day to spend a few minutes talking to our listeners, and and I'm just excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you. Well, I'm the honors all mine. I'm just excited to get to connect with you, Marcel. It's a it's a pleasure. Oh yes, <laughs> I I was thinking, Kimberly, that the first time I met you, and this is interesting because you didn't you grow up in in Waco. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Waco that's become so famous, but I think the first time I met you face to face was actually in London, wasn't it? I think, I think that's the first time we actually um, got to, you know, connect and talk. I, you know, showed up to Sarah's wedding, Sarah and Jeremy's wedding uh, Uh. at last minute, you know, um, and surprised her there, but I don't think I actually got to meet you at the wedding. So London might have been it. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah and Jeremy, just so everyone will know, um, Jeremy is my oldest son and he married uh, the most wonderful girl mm-hmm. from Waco. Yeah. Uh, yep. She's been Sarah Combs now for 10 years. 
but uh, she was Sarah Rogers mm-hmm. from Waco. And, and I, I want you to kind of tell us a little bit um, about your journey that took you from, uh, well, what you can start wherever you want and talk to us about just your journey and business and your journey and le- leadership. Great. Well, uh, I think the biggest uh, thing I could say is that it's not a normal journey by any means. Um, <laughs> uh, it's definitely a, a very grassroots uh, way of getting here. Um I, you know, never really had big aspirations to do business or anything per se, but um, I always loved reading and um, majored in English literature at Baylor. And I remember um, when I was about 20, I walked into a little bookshop in Colorado and just fell in love with it and the space and just thought I would love, you know, the kind of put a little seed in my heart of, I would love to own something like this one day, own a bookshop. And so that's kind of where that dream, you know, germinated and, um, went to Baylor, you know, didn't take a single business class. So I, I literally (laughs) had no idea how to even like begin a business or run a business. I remember that concept just felt so out of reach. Like, how do you even start, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so fast forward, um, worked uh, as a youth associate at a local church here for several years, worked as a tour guide um, in Europe and actually got to live in England for a little while. And, um, you know, I had worked uh, right after college before I traveled a lot. I had worked at Common Grounds, which is a coffee shop in Waco and had managed it, um, a little bit. So I was at least familiar enough with like the basic operations of keeping something like that, you know, inventory Uh and, Uh and that kind of thing, but still was just so kind of clueless, um, as to like, how would you take an idea and make it, you know, a, a reality? And, um, so when I moved back from England, I uh, started dating my now husband, Blake, and he at that time, while I had been gone, he had purchased Common Grounds. And um, so we just hit the ground running as an engaged couple and newlyweds uh, running that business. And um, I just came alongside him as he just began to lead it and steer it. And, um, that is where I learned, uh, you know, I would say learned on my feet, um, how, (laughs) how to do those things, learned accounting and QuickBooks and, you know, catering and events operations and, um, you know, what a profit and loss report was and how to read it and what, you know, you need to look for to make sure they're accurate and just was, uh, able to learn in a safe place, I think, because mm-hmm. Common Grounds was already so established. It's been open since 1994. And um, wow. so it really was like a safe place for Blake and myself to learn to try new things and not have this weight of, oh, we could take the whole thing under with us if we make one bad, you know, move, mm-hmm. one wrong financial decision. And um. So that is kind of where I learned, I think, just at a grassroots level, like how to um, to kind of manage and operate a business. And then 
we um the building next door to common grounds became available and we wanted to do a concept there as well that would pair really well with the coffee um and so uh we opened heritage creamery there in 2016 and and so that's kind of um the space where i learned you know how do you take something from the ground up how do you file for an llc how do you um create a business plan that you can you know uh look at projections and profitability you know all this stuff that when you're 20 you're like i don't need to know this i just want to read my books <laughs> and you know travel and do all the exciting things um but then i realized you know these other things are very useful if you actually <laughs> want to apply these uh these big dreams you know and um and starting something new and so uh that was a really pivotal for for me and learning you know what it takes on that end and so uh i you know i'm it's 2016 i we had our first child nora that June and I got an email in September from my now business partner, Allison, and we had met um, briefly uh, one time before, but she emailed and was like, hey, I heard you have this dream of opening a bookshop. I have the same dream. Let's, you know, get together and talk. And, you know, so I'm thinking I have a three month old baby, like there is no <laughs> chance for this to have any legs. Um, but yeah. we, we like to say, you know, we first met up at, and talked that day. We just thought we'd kind of be like, yay books and, you know, go on our way. <laughs> but the conversation just kept going. And I think what was so powerful about our first conversation and then, I mean, every step after now, fast forward four years, um, is our vision for Fabled and the bookshop that we now own was just so in line and has been every step of the way. And I think the more and more we get into it, we realize just how rare that is um, mm -hmm. and what a gift that is. And so uh, that's kind of how that story or, you know, that part um, started unfolding. So we, started the long process of, you know, creating a business plan. We did so much research and we like to say, if we knew how many spreadsheets we were going to have to make in order to open a bookshop, we never would have done it <laughs> because we are not the, the numbers uh, forward people, but um, we did what we had to do. And uh, so that's kind of how Fabled became Fabled. And I think, um, you know, what I found is my, I love creating spaces for people to connect and experience life and, and feel inspired. And that's why I was always drawn to common grounds, you know, in college and then working there. Um, and then Heritage Creamery, you know, just wanted to create like a, a wholesome, fun place where you could go with your family and go get, you know, go get ice cream and just have that memory. And, um, Fabled is the same. We wanted to create a space where people would feel curious and inspired and excited to discover something. So that's kind of the a little drop in the bucket of the journey to where we are today. Well, I, I have to ask this question about Heritage Creamery. So didn't, uh, isn't there a special recipe for cookies yeah. that you're 
that your husband and partner, um, you know, develop, not developed, but um, just mm -hmm. used as part of that whole dream? Yeah, that is actually where um, the, the name Heritage comes from. Um, so my husband, oh. his father passed away in 2011. And he was known in Waco for his um, famous chocolate chip cookies. And he would bake, yes, uh, and he would bake them by the hundreds and sell them to raise wow. money for, you know, everything. And um, and so when we were, you know, dreaming up this concept and, and thinking of a name, you know, that kind of just landed in Blake's lap one day of what if we called it heritage creamery and used dad's cookie recipe um as a way to because that was something that his dad had always wanted to do was to own you know some sort of sweet shop and to market those cookies and and um and grow that and see you know just see what happens and so um that was a really just um integral element in how we got that yeah how we dreamed that up and got it going so it was really special and I, I I would be amiss if I didn't add this because I know you and your husband before Nora uh -huh. right were on Fixer Upper we because uh, you have a connection being a longtime Waco girl to Chip and Joanna Gaines mm -hmm. So tell us just a little bit about that, uh, because people may pick up on that right away. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was really fun. Um, we were definitely the newlyweds on the show, and now we've been married seven years and have three kids. So uh, a little <laughs> bit has changed, um, but the actual experience itself was just so much fun. Um, they had just been re-up for season two when we signed on to be on the show so everything was still kind of evolving and they were still kind of figuring out you know how their systems would work so I feel like we kind of got in on the like grassroots entry level a little bit and uh it felt it was just fun and um we yeah we loved our little house we lived there for three years and then um, moved to where we live now to, you know, make room for the growing family. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yes. I, we had a great time and, you know, uh, Blake's family, they've known, um, Joanna's family for a long time. And I think like his mom and Mrs. Stevens were in like a Bible study together or something, you know, so they have a, a family relationship there and they're just, they're truly the kindest people whenever uh, people ask, like, are they really that way? You know, is, are they that way in real life as it seems on the show? And I always say like, Chip is even crazier than he seems on the show. And Joanna's even nicer. You know, it's like they're, it's the show captures them in such a real way, but I would say like, it's even more just um, in real life. They're just wonderful people. So yeah, that's fun. And I don't know if everyone caught this or not, but you had your first baby in 2016. Mm -hmm. You um, you started two different businesses, and now you have your third baby, yes. right? You you have two little girls and a little yeah. boy now. And how He's old is three he? Three months now. Yep. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. So you've been uh, real, real uh-huh. busy in birthing babies and birthing yes. businesses for yes. sure. So um, what do you find? I mean, we've just in 2020 been through such an interesting time in all of our lives, unlike anything in business, uh, certainly that I had ever experienced. Um, And so talk to me a little bit about, well, really, I guess all of the businesses through this period of time in 2020, what's that been like? And you've been pregnant and had a baby. Um, Yeah. So Uh, I think the right word is roller coaster. Uh, that has been our year 100%. Um, you know, when March hit and everything shut down, it was, uh, a really stressful time for sure for our family. Um, Uh I was pregnant and, um, so, you know, already had a little bit of anxiety on like, how are we going to do our life? plus another kiddo um, and what that rhythm was going to look like. And then, you know, with everything shutting down specifically, um, Blake is a, also a partner in a local restaurant here. And, and that was, that wow. was the hardest one. I feel like, you know, with common grounds, we had a drive through so we could at least stay open in oh. that way. And like get creative with heritage. Um, but uh yeah, so that was really stressful. Um, the the, I mean, the bookshop actually was totally okay, and that was purely like the provision of the Lord. We had been planning for months to launch our website on March nineteenth, um, and had been doing work, wow. yeah work for months to like do you know get everything ready on the back end and figure out all of our systems. And then COVID hits. And so we literally launched our site and then had to close our shop the next day for the mandatory shelter in place. And so we were able to kind of just keep churning um, with online orders and delivery. And, um, and then we actually developed this product called it, then it was called an an indoorsy box. Um, Now we've called it a book lover box, but, um, essentially someone could just go to our website, fill out a little form for, let's say their daughter who's eight. And they could say like, you know, I'm going to order an indoorsy box. My daughter loves, uh, unicorns and this is her reading level. And then we would curate a fun (laughs) box of books and activities and deliver it by owl to, their door because at first it was just like a local thing like hey this is something like parents are stuck inside with their kids for this eternal spring break <laughs> yes. like what can we do to kind of come alongside them <laughs> and make bring something fun you know so we would like leave it on their doorstep you know and it would be flown in and the kids just thought it was so cool we put little owl feathers in the box so it was like the owls left there you know left their mark and um so when we so we developed this product and when we launched it i thought if we sell like 30 of these i'll be really content you know like hey that was fun we you know helped a few people with their kids and and uh lo and behold you know two thousand boxes later we're shipping them all over the country oh wow 
so it it was such a provision for Fabled because we were able to stay profitable, stay functioning. Our entire space turned into a distribution center overnight. Like we became, uh, you know, a packing <laughs> and uh, book delivering company instead of a bookshop. But it was a way for us to just pivot during those two months where we had to be closed and um, kind of stay on top of top of everything. So that was uh, just truly a fortunate alignment there. And uh, so it definitely took off some of the stress for that time period as far as the bookshop was concerned. But I think um, as you know, in regards to everything else, I mean, it was definitely a roller coaster. And I'm so grateful that now, you know, obviously things are still nowhere near normal, but things are operating, they're functioning, um, you know, they're Mm -hmm. profitable. So it's definitely kind of the the slower track now of the roller coaster but what's ahead who knows um yeah we're just it's (laughs) truly taking it day by day and anyone who is involved in a business or anything educator whatever i mean i think any any industry whatever it's like you made a set of decisions and then the next day a new piece of information comes out and then you have to change everything again and then the next day you know you're constantly (laughs) adjusting these like plans And uh, by the end of it, I just would have decision fatigue. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what do we, I don't know what we do, but yeah, grateful for where the road, you know, has led us now and things have kind of leveled out a little bit. Do you know, um, I was just at a leadership conference last week, uh, my first in-person conference since Uh February, I might add, which is, which is a big deal for me, who is someone who's... (laughs) frequented a lot of those, uh, but the word uh-huh. pivot um, was a word that they used all the time because they had started out that they were going to have it in California and they moved it to Florida. And I don't know if you, uh, you know, think about it, but last week, I Florida know. has had a record number of yes. hurricanes and tropical storms. Uh, so after they pivoted to Florida, then a tropical storm came through and all their act- outdoor activities were Gosh. changed. So pivot might be uh, the word to yes. write down in everyone's diary for 2020. Um, if you were just looking back on how you got in to all these different things, uh, all these different businesses, um, what would you, what would be a mistake that you would, or a challenge that you think you could do differently than, than perhaps how you did it? If, if we could dial back that time and say, I just want to, just want to change this one little thing. What would that be, Kimberly? I think I would be more curious and more trusting and have more faith. You know, I, I don't think I'm never going to look back and wish I'd had less faith faith in the Lord about something, um, about a situation or a a circumstance. I I always look back and wish I should have had more faith for that and in that. And I think, um, you know, there's a, a quote by Tom, uh, by Henry Nowen, where he talks about the different passages of life and, just learning to be at peace with whatever passage you're in. So if you're a young singles, you know, then learning to just have peace for that season. And then you, you pass into the next and then you're, you know, maybe a newlywed and learning that. And then, 
and just being content with the different passages of life. And if you're, you know, like me, a mid thirties mom of three, and you're still trying to reach back to the 21 year old, you know, part of life, then there's just going to be discontent. And so I think just having more faith for like the big life transitions and yeah, I feel like that would have colored a lot of seasons differently and, you know, not feeling this Mm. angst of like, but is this what I'm supposed to do? And is this like my, you know, huge life's purpose and like those things are are a really good impetus at times, but um, I, I can definitely see in places where I let it steal from where I actually was in that moment. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. not anything super specific, That's a hard thing. but I think just in general, like more curious and, and had more faith for where I was at. When you say curious, what, what does that mean to you? Can you give me an example of someplace that you could have been more curious? I could have been more curious in learning a business, um, (laughs) business, uh, operation. I I can relate to this, Kimberly. Um, I think like even working at Common Grounds, you know, I had to learn a lot of that stuff just by like, just purely just a function, you know? Um, but I think if it, if I would have been a little more curious and not so like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not a business person. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know, you know, what our cost of goods percentage should be, you know, to be profitable, that kind of thing. Like, those are the things where if I would have just approached right. it with like a truly curious spirit, like, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm going to learn everything I can about what's in front of me right now. I think that it would have prepared me even more for where I've landed here. That's the one thing coming from a clinical background. I never had a business course either. And, you know, that yeah. sure would have helped me a lot later in life. But I'm not sure if I think about my 20-year-old self, I could have talked her exactly. into it. Uh, being incredibly yes. stubborn, personally. Yeah. So talk to me about your mentors. Um, who, who are some mentors that, you know, helped you along the way and, and what what did that look like for you? Know, you? I I would say business wise, I actually have had a really hard time finding a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in life, you know, spiritually, I've I've had various mentors um, who have been so pivotal in you know personal and spiritual growth, but. Um, I've actually reached out to, you know, a few women over the years and nothing is really taken. Um, and really, I just, I think a lot of it is one, you know, finding someone that I respect how they do business is key. Um, mm-hmm. And then to yes. just, you know, I, I do want to find, find and connect with someone who is a mother because that is such a, it's a, it's not the easy road to do both. And um, You're right. I just think there's an element of understanding that I would love to, to have in that kind of connection. And, and then, and so, you know, finding a woman who's in business, who's also a mother who actually has the time to 
be a mentor is right I mean I get it it's like it feels you know so hard to take on one more thing and so um, I think that it's, you know, it's on me to keep reaching out and to keep trying. But um, as far as like a business mentor, it's definitely been a little piecemeal. But I do feel like, you know, there's been the right conversations with the right people at the right time. And and I think that um, right. that's something that I'm still seeking out. And um, I've just kind of had to turn to mentors that you know, I don't know personally. So like books and podcasts and things that give such useful instruction and um, direction. And I think that that's kind of filled in a, you know, in a, in a non-personal way that's filled a little bit of that gap. But I do validate and long for that intentional one-on-one mentorship connection too. And so, and I think that, you know, that's probably something that shows like, Hey, in Waco, like we need some sort of, of avenue for, you know, women, younger women to be able to find and get connected to more seasoned, you know, women who are, um, who have been down the road and can offer insight and clarity. Well, and the the real truth is the numbers and percentages of people who are in your position that are older is it's a much less percentage than what we're dealing with really in your generation. So that also adds it. I also would say I've been part of a, financial management group, which is almost hysterical to say that Marcel comes in the same sentence. Um, But I I have been honored to be part of this and to lead it. And, and we wrote a white paper that, that is just air apparent. Sometimes women are their worst enemies in how they critically think of how good they are at something, which makes then in turn them not want to, or not feel like they can mentor others, which is truly, um, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's truly hard. Uh, well, right now you have three little kids and goodness knows, um, I yes. had a lot of those myself. Uh, it, do you have any pearls, uh, for women that are listening that, they might be able to have that balance. And I hate that word. Uh, so I always say that average of, you know, of time intentionally mm-hmm. spent with the kids and, and time to start and develop a business. What advice Goodness. would you give to other women? Oh, you know, I would say it's not for the faint hearted. And you need to have a clear <laughs> understanding and kind of a a bedrock of why you want to do what what you're doing Um, because it's not the I don't think it's the easy road you know um, to to start something new and to try to balance everything and and I would say my number one I guess pearl of advice is understand that every season will look different so the way things look right now are not how it's going to be forever. So if you're struggling to like get out of bed before 8 a.m. because you're, you know, uh, up with a newborn for how many, you know, hours in the night. And, and I, you know, I can remember with my second win, 
just thinking like, how am I ever going to get to work before 10 o'clock again? Like, there's no way. And just feeling like (laughs) stressed by that. But I think what I've learned is that, you know, for, for six months, it's going to look this way and it's going to work great. And you're going to drop this kid off here and you're going to have this nanny help here, you know, and you kind of find this balance and then it might not work anymore. And then you just have to adapt and find the, the next way that you can keep moving forward and, and keeping things fluid and realizing like having more of a, you know, three months to three month mentality versus, okay, this is, you know, I, my strict schedule for the year. Um, so that, that flexibility and that ability to just um, adapt to a new rhythm every season, um, I think has proven to be the most helpful um, for me. You know, we're, we're really spoiled in the sense that we have two grandmothers who live within five minutes of us. Yeah. And so, um, and we've had like amazing, you know, young women who have been able to jump in and help with our kids over the years. And, um, I think finding, you know, this rhythm for, okay, this, this much time with family, this much time with me, this much time with nannies and, and seeing like what feels good to where I don't feel this huge mom guilt of not spending enough time with, you know, Mm -hmm. the girls and, um, So, and I think just having grace for the process to figure it out, like, you know, people, when I was pregnant with my now three month old Elam, um, you know, friends would say, so like, what are you going to do childcare and work with Elam? And, and obviously COVID was happening. So that was just a whole other question in and of itself, (laughs) but it's, you know, my answer is, I don't know. I'm I'm just going to have to, to feel (laughs) it out. And I know that comes from a place of uh, flexibility that I have as a business owner that a lot of women don't have who get those two months off and then they're back at work full time. So I understand that I am from a place like I'm, you know, speaking from a place of flexibility, but, um, you know, Elam is, was at work with me this morning and that's one of the perks of being the owner is like, (laughs) he's in the office with me and he's a nap and I'm wearing yeah. him, um, you know, around the business stocking books <laughs> and merch and just doing what I, you know, have to yeah. do to, to keep everything kind of going. And he's a great baby for that. But, um, yeah, so I think just having grace for yourself to, to figure out the process and know that you don't have to have it all figured out before, before, but there's going to be some kind of an organic learning um, on your feet, really. Yes. You know, you, you said something earlier and I tried to write it down really quickly. So I'm going to get this wrong, but you said that one of the things about fable that you wanted to do as well as you tried to do with your other businesses were spaces to connect and share life. Um, how, how do you think, or how is that challenge or that's going with COVID where we have to wear masks? And I, I don't know how much of Waco is open today. Cause that's, you know, it's impossible to decide that on any given day these days, um, as yeah. we pivot through life. 
but but have you been able to overcome that or to try to continue with that inspiration uh, during question. COVID? I think, um, you know, there are some ways that we have had to let go of those moments and and events and things that we would do to create just fun experiences for people. One of those being our kids story time once a week. Um, it was the most, I always called it the happiest hour of the week at Fabled because uh, we just had these precious kiddos coming in and our book buyer would do this fun story time and a craft and sing songs. And it was, it was just so precious and I you know things like that where it's like we haven't really been able to find a good you know distant virtual exchange to recreate that um so I think in a lot of ways we've had to let go of things that were are really motivating to us um but on the other hand I think just offering a place, a safe place where people can just come and feel inspired, even on their own, you know, to wander the bookshelves and to get, you know, to inspire curiosity on that end. And, you know, books are, are connection points just in an, in and of themselves. You know, you see someone picking a book off the, the shelf and you say like, oh, I love that book. It's, you know, you're going to love it. It's my favorite. Here's why in a way that you wouldn't do like mm-hmm. if you're at yeah the store looking for tops and someone picks a blue top and you're like oh I love that color I wear it all you know it's like you're not gonna it's not gonna have that connection <laughs> point but <laughs> books in themselves are just so um, right. they draw people together and so I think that just continuing to op- to offer a space that is open for you know a connection, even if you have to sit across from each other with that mask on, you know, you can still, it's still open. It's <laughs> yes. still available. Um, and obviously not in the same caliber or the same way, but um, our cafe piece, like having the coffee shop element where we sell coffee, food, beer, and wine, that um, kind of helps us continue to uh create that a little Mm. bit as well so yeah I definitely think there I mean we've had to let some stuff go for the season you know that is was so exciting to us pre-covid with like author events and bringing people together to have you know dialogue and um exchange ideas but uh we're just looking forward to when we can you know kind of segue back into some of that as well. Oh yeah. You know, there's, um, there's something I have to ask you. It's actually my favorite question to ask people. And when I know someone is (laughs) a a really big reader with obviously a (laughs) lot of variation, probably that you, I'm guessing Kimberly, uh, because I, I always say, don't put it in front of me if you don't want me to read it, because I, I'm going to probably read yep. it no matter what, but what, what, uh, what books do you love the most? If you, if you put them on your top 10 list, uh, which ones do you, and, and they can be of all topics So we've, we've had some great yeah. suggestions on that yes. from a lot of different women 
on either, yes. you know, fiction or leadership or children's book, anything you want to uh, say, here, here's your, here's well, your time to I talk mean, about the books you love. That's what I love. <laughs> I, I wish, cause uh, I would really take you know, notes. My, the most influencing and impactful books to me, I think have been, um, you know, I read, I didn't read the Chronicles of Narnia until I was 18 and oh. my mom is still so embarrassed about that. But, uh, you know, I asked her, I'm like, what, where were, where were you on that mom? Like she's a reading okay. specialist. She's an elementary school reading teacher. You know, I'm like, come on. Uh, but oh, that was so impactful to me. Um, it just created mm. such clarity around the nature of God and who God was. And, um, I just fell in love with that's the story and the, you know, the, the English feel and, um, that really just mm -hmm. struck deep and, and altered, I feel like the, my course of growth and, and inspiration. So, you know, I think that's a book that you can read at age seven and 77 and find just joy in it. Um, so that's a really impactful book for me. Um, I love Lonesome Dove. Um, so I love the epic <laughs> Texas. I know, I know. That, those I are know. pretty far apart, I uh, think. Yeah, I mean, uh, but that's Dove great. I love be, that. Um, on my top five recommendations, I think that it it has so much. There's so much there. It's got coming of age. It's got, you know, you've got coming of age, and you've got you know, older men reflecting and they're all in this journey together across the country. And it's got so much good, you know, Texas, uh, culture and, um, it just feels so nostalgic and I, I love, yeah, I love it. So, um, so that book is really, you know, is one of my favorites. I think as far as like influential, um, Thomas Merton and Henry Nowen are two of my, I mean, I'm always reading something of theirs at all times. So I'm either rereading or finding something new, but, um, you know, Merton, he was a, a Catholic monk who, um, passed away in 1968. And then Henry Nowen also, he's actually also Catholic. He worked at a, um, community for, um, people with special needs and, um, just, yeah, they, they are truly have been some of the most like probably mentoring, you know, voices for me, um, over the years. And Thomas Merton also has a autobiography called the seven story mountain. That is fantastic. And it journeys, oh. you know, his, um, conversion to Christianity and then, um, to Catholicism and just kind of his, I mean, his journey is just, it's so timeless. Um, and it, it can just be impactful for anyone and everyone to read. So those are some of the big ones. And then of course I would be amiss without saying Lord of the Rings. That's probably the Lord of the Rings and Les Miserables are my top, <laughs> okay. like, interchangeably top one and two, but, um, I think the Lord of the Rings for me is so influential the depth of story and the characters and just the beauty in which it's, it's told is so, is so inspiring. But I also love 
that in the Lord of the Rings, you have a story of friendships and they get, they get separated and they end up on their own little side adventures. And I love how each adventure is so crucial to the survival of everyone else. And it's so important for these characters to do what, to be faithful to what's in front of them. And they don't even know how it's affecting everyone else in their story until the very end when it all kind of comes together. And I love that picture of community and church and the kingdom of like, we have to be faithful to these small side, you know, sideline almost adventures. We don't even know how it's impacting our loved ones and people we don't even know all over, all over the world. And, and yeah, I just love that picture of kingdom life and why it's so important for us to do what's in front of us. Wouldn't that be, yeah, wouldn't that be a great lesson for those of us today that we thought more about friendship Mm -hmm. and what was good for everyone else instead of so much of what we hear and what we feel is what is just good for ourselves as an individual. Um, That's what I was thinking when you said that, Camelia. Maybe you were about to say one more, one one more book before. I just couldn't let it go by without interjecting um, that. Any woman in business and any man in business needs to read Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Um, You cannot afford not to read that book. Uh, It is it is life changing. It's that probably more than anything else has affected my goals for leadership and the kind of leader I want to be, um, to be humble and soft and, but yet firm in what you know that your values and what you want your culture to be. And just that, that lesson in vulnerability and the power of vulnerability and leadership is so crucial. So I would say hands down that book needs to be on everyone's shelf for sure. As we end this up, I think um, we need to make sure that the audience knows how to get in touch with you. Um, (laughs) This owl delivery seems delicious to me. Can you review that for us, how they can get in touch with you or Um, get in touch with Fabled? You get Fabled. We have a great Instagram account um, at Fabled Bookshop, Um, and it's beautifully done. My uh, co-owner she's a photographer and she does all of our pictures and we tag team that um and try to make it where it's visually inspiring and um also just mentally and you know emotionally inspiring too so uh you can definitely connect there um and then our website fabledbookshop.com we we ship books and merch all over the country um, as well as our book lever boxes, you can order um, through our website as well. And, um, you know, order for adults, for kids, they're great for both. We've sent, I mean, thousands out and um, they're always well received and, and loved. Kimberly, I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and and just giving us some of your wisdom and telling us a little bit about your journey. I think my biggest impression is that uh, you just get up every day and, and you make it a new day as you've done this, having three little babies. Um, 
so and having walked that walk myself I, I so respect you and and you you can make this happen I absolutely know um, that it can be even even more than what you think 